Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke. We will read Luke 17, verse 20 to the end, and that will lead us to the text for this morning, which is Luke 18, verse 1 to 8. So we can simply keep reading then, beginning from Luke 17, verse 20. Let's listen to the Word of God, Luke 17, verse 20. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Then he said to his disciples, The days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look here, or look there. Do not go after them, or follow them. For as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, in that night there will be two men in one bed. The one will be taken, the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together. The one will be taken, the other left. Two men will be in the field. The one will be taken, and the other left. And they answered and said to him, Where, Lord? So he said to them, wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. And here begins our text for this morning. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect, who cry out day and night to him, 
though he bears long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? That's where our scripture reading and our text ends. As I'm starting this uh, sermon, brothers and sisters, uh, just one comment. I see several faces here in the church from the Hamilton-Burlington area who have heard this sermon already. So I hope that by now you have totally forgotten what I preached then and that you can uh, listen afresh, so to speak. Um, And as we know, sometimes it's good to reflect again on a passage of Scripture because there is always so much in it. Our text this morning is part of a long section in the Gospel of Luke. It starts in chapter 9, it ends in chapter 19. It describes what happened when the Lord left Galilee and He traveled to Jerusalem. Now we know what was going to happen in Jerusalem. He's going to be crucified and uh, raised from the dead and ascended to heaven. Um, So that's going to be the the triumphal end. And here we find the Lord with his disciples going through villages and cities, meeting people, and he's teaching, doing his messianic work. He's proclaiming the gospel. He's telling the people about God and how a person is saved. And he also performs miraculous things to show that he is the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Messiah and that people should put their faith in Him. Now, in this whole section, I think there are 17 parables that the Lord taught, a very special way of of teaching lessons to people. And this one is a special one indeed, the parable of the persistent widow, as it is sometimes called. And uh, the interesting thing is that that Luke immediately tells us the purpose of this parable. Uh, Maybe he was afraid that we wouldn't get it otherwise, I'm not sure. But he gives us the purpose. Then he spoke, the Lord spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. It's actually nice for a minister if uh, we are always looking for what is the key theme of a passage, you know, and then that goes in the bulletin. So this one was not hard because look, just gives it to us. The Lord teaches us not to lose heart, but to persevere in prayer. And it's, we, we see what he does. The Lord first tells us a parable, the persistent widow, then he explains it to us. And then he has this remarkable question at the end. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on earth? So let us listen to our Lord what he's teaching us this morning. So this parable tells us about a widow woman who is looking for justice. We don't exactly know what had happened, but she talks about an adversary and she talks about injustice. So someone has treated her badly. And we know that she is a widow, so we can speculate a little bit that perhaps it has something to do with the death of her husband 
um, if her husband di died, passed away, she was supposed to receive an income from his estate, or at least a good chunk of, of, the, of the, the inheritance. And perhaps the family did not give her what she was entitled to. We don't know that for sure, but something happened, and, and she has not been treated justly. Now, in Israel, when a woman was in a situation like that, what would happen was probably that she would talk to her brother or an uncle or her father if he was still alive, and, and, and he would then represent her and go talk to the other side, and if there was no solution, then you take it to court. Now, this woman apparently doesn't have a father or an uncle or a brother or a male relative who can do this for her. And she is forced to go to court by herself and speak up for herself. That's quite unusual. And it also makes her chances of receiving justice very slim. And I don't know if you can relate to her, her situation. Um, I was able to relate to it a little bit last week. We got a letter from the CRA, you know, the tax revenue people, and uh, oh, they tell us that uh, my wife, she has to pay $4,000 uh, over the rest of the year. And we think, what? What's that for? And then you think, oh, who am I Should, to fight the CRA? I'm just a little guy. Well, I'm a big shot at the seminary. But at the at, at, for the CRA, I, I'm nobody. So what am I going to do? Well, thankfully, we have an accountant, so I, I email her and she'll take care of it. But that reminded me of what if you didn't have a person like that, like this widow? Some kind of injustice has been done to her, and apparently there is nobody who can represent her. Well, she's remarkable. She does not go sit in the corner and cry. Uh, she goes to see the judge of the town. And not just once or twice, but she keeps going every day. So you need to picture this. Uh, in the morning when the judge arrives at his office in town, she is already waiting for him, and she cries out, give me justice against my adversary. And he pretends that he doesn't hear it. He goes into the office. But the next morning, she's there again. <clears throat> same lady, same, same words. Give me justice against my adversary. And she keeps coming back. Now, this judge, the way he's described, he's a, a hard-nosed character. Uh, the Lord describes him as someone who neither fears God nor respected man. And he is the opposite, therefore, of what a good just, uh, judge was supposed to be. Um, the Lord knew, wanted judges to be in Israel. And uh, it's interesting, in, in the Old Testament, there are some qualifications for good judges. I'll, I'll read you from one passage, Second Chronicles 19. If you're interested, you can write it down and read it at home. 2 Chronicles 19. That's uh, the story when King Jehoshaphat appointed judges for the nation. And then he gave them instructions. 
verse 6 and 7. Take heed to what you're doing, you judges, for you do not judge for man, but for the Lord who is with you in the judgment. Now therefore, let the fear of God be upon you. Take care and do it, for there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, no partiality nor taking of bribes. So that's what Jehoshaphat told the, the new judges. Let the fear of the Lord be upon you. And do not take bribes. Be impartial. Be like the Lord himself. Your judgment should be such that people would say, yeah, even if the Lord himself were the judge in this case, it would be exactly the same outcome. That's beautiful if a country or if a nation has judges like that. But this man is not like that. The Lord says, this man does not fear God. And he does not care about man, about people. And I think that the people who are listening to the parable would recognize this. Maybe they would have smiled a little bit because they had experience with different kinds of judges, good ones and bad ones, honest ones and corrupt ones. The judge in the parable of the Lord is an independent man, but he doesn't care about God nor about people. He is not interested in promoting justice or protecting the innocent or punishing the evildoers. Now, if this man feared God and if he knew God's word, he would know that there was one additional requirement for Israel, and that is you should take care that you treat certain kinds of people justly and watch out that they receive what they need. And those were widows, orphans, and aliens, and the poor in general. You can read it in the laws of Moses. So if this judge had been a, a God-fearing man, and here was a poor widow asking for justice, he would have made sure to listen to her and to see to it that she would get the justice that she was entitled to. But he doesn't care. And yet, he does change his mind. The way the Lord tells the, par tells the parable. Verse um, 4. And he would not listen for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Actually, in the original Greek, and some translations have it, it says that, lest she beat me up. I don't know if he was fearful that she might indeed do that. But anyway, he's, he doesn't care about God, he doesn't care about people, but this, this widow is a nuisance, and he's afraid that the outcome is going to be bad for himself in some way. So he said, okay, I'll take her case and see to it that she gets her justice. Yeah, we can all say that this man is such a horrible person. And again, when I think about how we are ourselves sometimes, maybe he's, he's not so unique. Uh, have you had it that someone is approaching you and asking for a donation? A while ago, they were asking for donations for Anchor Association, because there was 
a shortfall. So you see it in the bulletin and you think, oh, yeah, there are some other rich people, richer than I, maybe they will take care of it. And then a week later, someone calls you. Well, how about giving a donation? You think, you say, yeah, I'll, I'll think about it, but you still don't want to do it. And then that person calls again. And then you think, oh, let me just be done with it. Give a donation, get the person from the, off the phone. So, yeah, our hearts are not always the way we should. And so we are brought to do justice and, and to do what we have to do. Anyway, there is this justice. And the Lord calls him an unjust judge. And there is this widow, and she ends up getting justice from him. That's the parable. The message is, even a person who is not a good person at all, in the end, because you pastor him and you bother him, he may, he may do what you ask him to do. That's the parable. And now we come to the second point. What is the explanation? And the Lord explains it to us. In verse 6, Hear what the unjust judge said, and shall God not avenge his own elect, who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. So what is the Lord teaching us here? Well, to begin with, there are several things, but to begin with, the Lord is teaching us something about our Father in heaven. That's really important, brothers and sisters. It's a simple lesson. If uh, an earthly judge, a horrible man who doesn't care about God or about people, if that person knows how to give justice to a person who keeps asking for it, who keeps bothering him, how much more will God, who loves his children, hear their prayers and answer them? That's a comparison, right? The earthly judge, the unjust judge, did what she asked him to do because he wanted to be done with it. But now the Lord in heaven, he always acts out of love. And of course, he will answer your prayers willingly, and he will not delay. There is this beautiful word in the text, verse 7, Shall God not avenge his own elect, his elect, his chosen ones, the ones he has loved before the creation of the world, the ones he has loved from even before they were born and then they were brought to the baptism font and then all those years, like many of you have been loved by God. He has loved them that they would belong to him and that they would inherit his kingdom eventually and that all these years they would also experience his blessings. The Lord already loves them before they ask. It's totally different from that unjust judge. If, if, if that is how God is, would he not be willing to answer prayers and petitions? So the first lesson of this parable is that God is a loving God. He loves his chosen ones. He loves his children in this world. And he is going to, to listen to their prayers and petitions. And he is going to answer, to respond every time. And he will do it speedily. That's what the Lord says. 
And that's why all over Scripture we find these uh, exhortations that we should pray in all the letters of the New Testament. For example, Philippians 4. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to the Lord. So we need to make this practical in our own lives, you and me. Some of you have been praying about something for years. Some of you are praying for something that is acute right now. Maybe you have been praying for healing from an illness or a handicap for yourself or from someone you love. Some of you have been praying for one of your children or one of your grandchildren because of an illness or because that child or grandchild seems to be drifting away from the Lord. There are so many things that can burden us and grieve us as Christian believers, so we pray about it. But sometimes we stop praying about it. And one important thing that we should learn as Christian believers is that we should not stop praying, not lose heart. That's the purpose, right? That's what the Lord tells us, what Luke tells us about the parable. He spoke a parable to them that meant always ought to pray and not lose heart. So we should not lose heart. Never, even though we might think that the Lord is not listening or that he is not responding in a way that we were hoping for. An illustration that I've mentioned before, um, Johnny Erickson Tada, I think many of you know her. She's the lady in the wheelchair. Um, I remember I was still a student in Holland at seminary there in the 1980s, and I went to a conference in Amsterdam, and there she was, a young lady still, and she was in her wheelchair, and she was a speaker. And now I've been around the world a little bit, and a few weeks ago, I, I, I saw a clip on, on Facebook, somebody posted it. And she had just celebrated 52 years after her accident. 52 years in a wheelchair. And then she describes the, the process. And she describes how initially she, she was asking the Lord, please give me healing. I want to be, on, to be able to walk again. And she tried tons of things. Tons of churches and all kinds of things because she wanted to walk again, but the Lord did not give that to her. But over time, she started to notice something else, that the Lord was still showing his, <clears throat> his goodness in many ways and, 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 giving, her, and showing, giving her many different blessings. She mentioned forgiveness of sins, that that became more real to her than ever before. And then a good relationship with the Lord that became more important to her than ever before. And then now she says, after 52 years in the wheelchair, looking back, I have always experienced the Lord's compassion in my life. Not in the way that I was able to walk, but in many different ways. And then she makes this incredible statement. I really would rather be in this wheelchair knowing Jesus the Jesus I, I do know, then be on my feet without him. That's, that's quite something. 
and it takes a while before you get to that point, I'm sure. But I'm, I'm telling you this, this illustration because it, it, it illustrates so well that when we pray and we do not give up, we always get an answer from the Lord. What the Lord says is true, and it is, it is illustrated in the lives of so many Christians. They can tell you stories about it. He may not respond in the way you're asking for exactly, but he does hear you, and he does respond, and you do experience then his blessing and his love. Now, that would already be a good message, I think, but there is more that I should tell you. Because when we read through this passage, you will have noticed that there is, that this may, maybe not a parable about prayer in general, but it is a prayer about getting justice. And that was, that was what the widow was asking for to the judge. Give me my justice. I have an adversary. And when the lesson comes, in verse 7, it says, uh, And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. So this, par this parable is not, it is about prayer in general, but it is also about something more specific. And that is that God's people cry out to him for justice. The widow was asking for justice. And the lesson of the parable is God will give justice to his, his elect. He will avenge them. Now, I can imagine that some of you are now saying, okay, if, it's, if, if that is the, the message of the parable, it doesn't really apply to me. I can stop listening now because I don't really experience injustice. Nobody is giving me any trouble. My business is going well. Um, I have a good life. So, but before you stop listening, I think really this applies, this should apply to all of us. And that is why we read the preceding passage, because the preceding passage in chapter 17 talks about the end times and about Christians and unbelievers will be living together, and then the Son of Man, the Lord, is going to come back, and then there will be this separation. Some will be taken, and others will be left. Now, if you were interested and you have some time today, I would suggest you could also read Matthew 24, because Luke 17 and Matthew 24 are very similar, but Matthew 24 is longer, and it gives us more than Luke Chapter 17. Now, what the Lord has been telling his disciples is that the time before he is coming back is going to be really difficult for believers, his followers. Because at one level, it will seem like things are fine. People will be doing their business, planting, building, getting married, having fun. And Christians can also function. They will also be planting and building houses and getting married and, and all that stuff. But on the other hand, it will be a very difficult time for Christians, so difficult that you read in Matthew 24 
that for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. I don't know if you can relate to that. In a way, you can, you can do your work, you can flourish, you can have your, your business, you can have your family, and yet we live in a world that is hostile to Christianity and that can make it really difficult. And the world expects us more and more to take part in their idolatry. And if we don't, it can spell trouble. Again, Matthew 24 speaks about the abomination of desolation um, spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place. It speaks about false prophets. It speaks about false Christs who will be able to perform signs and wonders. So much so that even the elect will almost be led astray. And that is why the elect, God's chosen ones, cry out to him. They see all these abominations around them, the idolatry. They see how the world puts sin on a pedestal, on the throne, and how disobedience to God is elevated as something that's really good. So that's the picture. You are still allowed to participate in society, um, still have your business and do everything, but it becomes more and more difficult to be Christian and to be openly so. Now, thankfully, this might go up and down in history, and in one country in the world it may be different from another. We don't experience outright persecution like in some countries in the world, but we always experience in some way or form this hostility, and we see this disobedience around us. Now, it is for this reason that the elect cry out to God. And the promise is that God will hear that prayer and that he will act. He will not delay. He will give strength as needed. He will protect as needed. And if necessary, he will shorten the time of Christ's return. He will not be like the unrighteous judge who didn't listen. God loves his elect and he will protect them to the very end. So that's great encouragement, brothers and sisters. We live in a time, I think you would agree, that pressure for Christians is mounting. Uh, the LGBTQ movement and so forth, it seems just to, it's hard to imagine why, but it seems just to be taking over. And as Christians, you wonder, will there be a day that it will be illegal even to say that you don't agree? Our Lord encourages us with this parable. We, when we cry out to God, when we bring this to him in prayer, he will certainly hear and he will act without delay. He will give justice to his elect speedily. That's what the Lord says. So with that promise in mind, we can continue to live our lives. We can be thankful that we can still function in so many ways here in Canada. We can even have brothers who, who are involved in politics. Um, and even though we know it's getting more difficult, we can continue to function and trust that it's all in the Lord's hand. We can pray about it and he will hear and he will do what he, what he needs to do. So let's continue to function in our work, in our society. Uh, this coming week and this coming season when many of us take up our work again. And that's what the Lord says, let us not lose hope.
but persevere in prayer, not just for ourselves, but also, brother, for the kingdom of God. Again, this could be the end of the sermon. It would be encouraging, I guess, but the Lord is not done yet. All of a sudden, he comes with this question, and you think, where does this come from? Verse 8, the Lord says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? So the Lord turns the tables on us, so to speak. He asks a penetrating question. But you, are you among those who pray to him day and night? Are you among those who expect his return? And does it bother you when you hear that the church is being persecuted or hard-pressed? Or do you just shrug your shoulders and continue with what you're doing? And do you long for the coming of the kingdom in its fullness? And do you believe that God will certainly act on behalf of his chosen people? You know, there is a danger that as Christians, I can say, well, the world there is bad and there is a lot of bad stuff going, but I'll just concentrate on my own life here and, and that's it. But the Lord wants us to know about the broader perspective too. We do have to care about his church in general and about the coming, coming of the kingdom. So if it doesn't bother us anymore that all this stuff is happening out there, this idolatry in the world, that's not good either. Maybe I can put it like this. Have, are you still praying for the return of the Lord? And the Lord asks, when he comes back, will he find faith on earth? Will he find us expecting him? Will he find us looking forward to his return? And basically the question is, will he find us loving him? Because if you love someone, you look forward to seeing the person. So, there is a wake-up call here, and the Lord this gives this call more often. I will give you one example. If you could just turn with me a few pages to Luke 21. Luke 21, verse 34. And following. Luke 21, 34 and following. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always. You see there you have the same injunction. Pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Pray that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass. Pray that you will be able to stand before the Son of Man. Don't know how often you think about that, but it's going to happen for me and for you. It's absolutely certain that there is going to be a time that I or you will stand before the Son of Man. 
It's something that can be easily forgotten, I guess. And certainly the people in the world don't believe in it. A few weeks ago, remember that uh, this uh, wealthy man in New York committed suicide in prison, Jeffrey Epstein. And people were angry because they said, oh, he escaped justice. They would have wanted him to stand trial and, and, and so forth. Oh, he escaped justice. And then, not long after that, or was it before, there was this case of the two young men from BC who were trying to get away from the police and then their bodies were found in Manitoba. They too had taken their own life and people say, say stuff like, they took the easy way out or they escaped justice. Well, that is a worldly view of it. But the biblical view is this, they may have escaped justice on earth but they cannot escape the heavenly judge. Everyone will have to face the heavenly judge. Everyone will have to stand before the Son of Man. So they, those people, and you and I, we will all have, we will all be there at some point in time. And then the question of the Lord is, will, when it happens, will I find you expecting me? Will I find you loving me? Or will I really find faith in your heart? And so the message this morning is, is very encouraging. It's a call to persevere in prayer and not to lose heart because God loves us and he will not leave us alone and he will always surround us with his care and he will protect us and he will see to it that we get justice. But it's also a call for self-examination. Do we expect him? Do we love him the way he loves us? And if we do, we can be so encouraged and we can remember the promise of the gospel that those who come out of the great tribulation that they will stand before the throne of God vindicated, clothed in white, Washed with the blood of the Lamb, Revelation 6. There shall, they shall hunger no more, they shall thirst any, no more, the sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear, fro, tear from their eyes. That's the promise of God. It's the promise of the parable. So let us not lose hope. Let us continue to pray, to pray because God is not like that unjust judge. God is a father who loves to hear our petitions and he will act on it. Amen.